Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Well, if you've been at church these last couple weeks, you know that we're walking together through the book of Proverbs. I hope it's been meaningful for you. I know it has been for me to just stop and pause and consider a step of wisdom, a step of action that I can take. And I'm going to just say this every week. I think you're getting wiser. I can feel the the wisdom beginning to to grow in our community and in our midst. And so I'm proud of you. And I know it's certainly the heart of God towards us is that he's not done yet. He's not done growing us yet. I was asked just this week, what's your favorite proverb? And I answered back with, that's an impossible question to answer because whichever proverb I'm considering right now has to be my favorite. It has to be uh, like have supremacy in my mind or else I don't put it into practice. I don't want to have one life proverb because that would indicate that I never actually practiced it. Like that one proverb, if I just do that, I want to put it into practice, apply it to my life, let it be like a building block that I'm building my life upon and then continue to go on to more things. And so maybe today you've been reading the Bible for a while and you think, oh, the Proverbs, yeah, I know those. Come on, get real with yourself. Dig back in and again, begin to apply God's word to your life. Or maybe today you're saying Proverbs, like proverbs, like non-amateur verbs. What are we talking about? It's just short little sayings that when put into practice actually develop and grow wisdom in our life. I wanna encourage you, it's not too late to start. We're reading one one chapter per day and, and actually trying to put that into practice. And so today I want to share a message out of this week's reading, out of what we looked at this week in the book of Proverbs. And in fact, you will notice if you are following along that there's this one section in, in the scripture where it says 30 sayings. Now, now, Proverbs before and after are a lot of sayings. There's a whole bunch of short little sayings, some longer sort of poetic looks, and some are just similes like This is what this is like. And it's better to live on the side of a rooftop than to be in a house with a quarrelsome wife. And it's just this little quick picture. It's almost like uh, looking in a newspaper and seeing the cartoons or looking at a meme and going, I get what's happening there right now. And, And so the Proverbs is full of sayings. And yet for some reason in the middle of it, there's just this little statement that says the 30 sayings. They're, they're all significant. They all have just different life applications. And like any saying, I find that that sometimes it means nothing until you've lived it out. It means nothing until you experience it. It means nothing until you have to put it into practice. I remember when I was young, my dad used to tell me this saying, measure twice and cut once. And he would just kind of throw it out and use it. And I'd be like, oh, like, okay, measure twice, cut once. It was just words until that first time that I was trying to do a building project and I measured and I got the saw out and I cut exactly where I had indicated that the line was and I held it up only to find that I had cut too short. And then all of a sudden, like this flood, I was like, oh, now I get it. If you're taking notes today, could you just write that down on the top of your page? That's the title of today's message. Now I get it. It's funny when you hear different people using different sayings. I've heard it said before, it's like a blessing in the skies. It's actually a blessing in disguise. I just imagine someone standing looking like, oh, where's the blessing coming from? A blessing in the skies. I heard it said once, someone said, you know, it's just like a deer in the taillights. <laughs> it's a great picture. Think of that. A car goes driving by at night and then a deer comes scampering out of the woods and goes, 
and stares at it as it drives away. It's amazing. It's funny how we can sometimes just get sayings wrong. Like when people say, I could care less. And the saying is, I couldn't care less. And it's like nonchalant. But to say I could care less actually means I care a lot. And so it's funny how we can can do that until we recognize it. And then once we see it, we can't unsee it. Once we, we know what it means, we're like, oh, I get it now. It's like that song lyric that you've been singing wrong until you read the lyrics and go, oh, that's not what the song said at all. Now it actually makes more sense. I heard it it said this week, someone thought of that old song, we built this city on rock and roll. They thought it said, we built this city on sausage rolls. I mean, that's a great song. It's just a really, really different song. So today I I thought we would do this. We're doing it at church at home. In our in-person gatherings, we're doing the exact same thing right now. I'm going to ask a a couple people just to throw out a number and we're going to look at a few of these sayings and just see what they mean. See how we can put them into practice. So I've got a couple people in the room. There's different people on different weeks as we gather here. It's a tiny little office that we do church at home from. But uh, my wife, Jennifer, who's just on screen, you know, you know her well. Can you just give me a number one to 30? She picked number nine. Number nine. There's nine people in our family. I'm going to guess that's why. Check this out. Number nine saying this is in Proverbs 23. By the way, we didn't prepare this uh, she might have just tricked me. I don't know. Here we go. Proverbs uh, number tw- uh, chapter 23, verse 6 is saying number 9. Do not eat the food of a begrudging host. Do not crave his delicacies, for he is kind. Uh, he's the kind of person who always thinks about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but in his heart, he's not with you. You will vomit up, oh my goodness, the little that you have eaten. And you will have wasted your compliments. What, what the, the saying is saying is this. Understand and recognize that when somebody is begrudgingly trying to be generous, it's not true generosity. And don't be so ignorant to think, well, I'll take advantage of this moment because the advantage will actually be lost. In their mind, they're tabulating. Do you have that friend? That friend that's like, oh, I'll get it this time. And you can just see them doing the mental math. This is just a really simple life practical application. Don't get in close contact and and close friendship and and share back and forth with people who are always keeping track. I want to develop friendships with the the type of people who are like, oh, don't even, don't even think about it. The cost is nothing. Generosity is open handed. And in saying that, I also want to be that person that when I offer myself, when I offer my resource, my time, my energy, my, my, my expertise, that I'm actually open-handed with it. Don't we want to be those type of people? I would never want to be a begrudging host who's saying, hey, you need some help, I'm there for you. But in my mind, I'm thinking, you have no idea what this is costing me. Because a gift given freely, oh man, that is something beautiful to receive. I'm going to ask uh, Sam now. Sam Massey, who's our creative director. And now, the room is often different people in it, but Sam is the constant. He's, I think, been at every single thing we've shot throughout this whole pandemic. And uh, we got camera gear and lights and all this is because he set it up. Sam, why don't you throw out number between 1 and 30? 23. 23. Okay. 23. Oh, we're going for a little Michael Jordan action here. 23. Oh, this one's good. Saying number 23 is in Proverbs 20. Four and uh, it's verse seven. Imagine if it was one. I was like, yeah, that's just kind of cool. I guess we're good, but it's a good one. Check this out. Proverbs twenty-three. It says, "Wisdom is too high for fools. In the assembly at the gate, they must not open 
their mouths. Now, in this, in this time, there was this custom that took place that at the gates of every city, it's where the wisest people in the city would just hang out. They would spend their time at the city gates considering and contemplating issues of morality, issues of ethics, how to, to, to best grow and prosper the city. They would discuss, you know, whatever the, the topic of the time was. I don't know what the city gate is right now. I hope it's not your Facebook wall. I hope it's not just in social media, but certainly there are, are conversations taking place in society that actually have the power to shift society. Now, for, for that time, the city gate actually had the influence of the city. Things decided at the city gate applied to the whole city. We're talking about seats of power. And this saying says that if you're a fool, you will bring nothing productive to the city gate. In fact, if you ever show up there, be quiet. Now, I think of a few things in this. Number one, if I'm a fool, I want to begin to develop wisdom now because there will come a time potentially where I will sit in an influential conversation. And when I'm in that conversation, I want to have something to say. But the second thing I think of is this, that, that I'm I, a person who is settling for small conversations and, and thinking they're at the city gate. Like, like I'm just running my mouth on social media. I'm just the, the, the person who always at a restaurant has to get the last word. And I'm speaking into an environment that actually has no influence to change things. I want a place at the city gate. How about you? I want to be in those conversations that actually can change policies, that actually can change the ethical thinking of, of the people around us, that actually have the power to shift the moral compass of our society. But if I'm going to be ready for those I got to stop engaging in foolish conversation. I got to begin to develop wisdom so that when the time comes, I've got something to say. Oh, that's a good saying. Saying number 23. That's a good one. You could go through these. They're all great. I love that in our live gatherings, we're probably going to have completely different ones thrown out from the crowd. I got, I got Kobe here as well. Kobe and his wife, Jenna, pastor our New West location back when we had locations. Here we are now. We're this really multi-site church. We're, we're meeting all over the world. But Kobe, what about you? Uh, between one and 30. Let's do 30. 30. The last saying. Oh man, I, I was thinking about this when I thought I would do this challenge and I thought 30 is kind of an interesting one. I wonder if uh, someone will pull this one out. Check it out. Uh, Proverbs 24 and verse 21 and 22. It says this, fear the Lord and the King, my son. Don't join with rebellious officials for those two, the, the Lord and the King can send sudden destruction on them. And who knows what calamities they can bring. There's an interesting saying here. This is like a dad to a son. And, and he's saying this, hey son, the people you hang out with will actually determine your destiny. So I would rather you have some, some reference point of, uh, of awe and, uh, and looking to the authority of God and the king than just following whatever the trend is of the time. Because what happens is those in, in positions of authority can actually have the power to shift and move. Now, you'll see this theme of authority all the way throughout uh, throughout the Proverbs. Interestingly, these are sayings of Solomon. Solomon happened to be the king. So this might also be a dad to his son saying, hey, son, listen up here. But what he's speaking to is we need to have a good hierarchy in our mind of authority. Now, not, not a fear of God and the king like we cower because of God and the king, but let's actually allow our hearts to be moved by those who have the authority to make decisions and to actually 
change things instead of having our hearts always caught up in the most trend. Now, interestingly, in, in the time we're living in, and really in many, many, many times throughout history, we have to consider is what's happening in society around us rebellion or is what's happening in society around us awakening? Now, sometimes those two align. And I think what, what you would see if you look through the entire Proverbs, it's why uh, Solomon doesn't say, here's my one saying. He says, here's my 30 sayings is we need to develop the discernment to understand, is this a time where the movement of the day is simple rebellion? It's angst and angry, and I'm just tired of the way things are, and I want to rile against the authority? Or is this reformation that's taking place? Now, certainly, if we weigh out in discernment, there are times where you say, I am going to engage in a new way of thinking and a new ideology that might seem counterculture to the authorities of the day. But if those uh, those new thinkings are countercultural to the authority of God, man, it's just rebellion. So that's where discernment comes in. I love that Solomon can say, here's a bunch of sayings to help you. And know what the next verse says? Now here are some more sayings of Solomon. It's like, oh no, and it keeps on going. The wisdom is not just learn this one volume and put these 30 things into practice and go on 30 irrefutable tips to become wise. It's a building block and it's it's like line upon line in brick upon brick. That's a good saying though, to recognize who are you fearing? Who has the power to shift your way of thinking? I talked about this last week, that if we fear the Lord, if God only has that ability to move our hearts, to move our emotions, to move our actions, then we're actually going to move in alignment with Him. Isn't that good? I love those sayings. Go through and, and highlight, and the things that stand out will probably be the types of things you can put into practice. Now I want to highlight for you one of the sayings that stood out to me. There was a whole bunch within those sayings. I was kind of hoping someone might bring up, for instance, saying 27, where it says, though the righteous fall down seven times, they rise up again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. I love that picture that your, your falling is not an indication of whether or not you're righteous. It's your ability to get back up. When you fall, that is not this indication from heaven that you are unrighteous. It is actually heaven, I think, gets up on the edge of its seat and looks down and goes, well, what are they going to do? What's she going to do? What's he going to do? Are they going to get back up? Because the righteous get back up. I love this one saying 25 where it says, if you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? Oh man, there's so many of us we feel like, I got this. I can do this. But then when trouble comes, we fall. When trouble comes, we we falter. Now this is not saying, the saying is not, if you fall when times are tough, you suck. It's saying this, your, your strength's still small. So don't stop growing now. Don't stop developing now because you still have a more uh, development, more growth to go. But if I'm being really honest, here's the saying I want to bring up today. And it actually does not fall within these 30 sayings. It's in a chapter before. It's this saying that I think if we understand it well, changes the game for us. It's Proverbs 21, 21, which says this, whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Let me read it one more time. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. What a great saying. I mean, that one right there, just pause on it. It doesn't fall within the 30, but think about that. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds some things they weren't even pursuing. They find life they find prosperity, and they find honor. Now, now, here's what I want to point out. 
It's possible for us to take this quote and run with it, kind of like someone saying deer in the taillights, or someone saying, you know, a blessing in the skies, and they're misquoting a quote, and by doing so, it doesn't mean it the right thing anymore. It's like someone saying, I could care less. And you're like, oh, it actually means the opposite thing to the thing you're trying to, to say. It's possible for us to, to misdiagnose this unless we understand this full picture of Scripture. Now, here's how I could read it. If I work really hard to do the right thing, and if I re- work really hard to feel the right things, like right love, then I'm going to get hooked up. My life's going to be good. I'm going to be prosperous. People are going to honor me. But I got to work really hard. Do the right things. That's righteousness, right? Feel the right things. That's love, right? And we could actually spend all of our time and energy on modifying our behavior. We could look at the Proverbs and actually see them as self-help, but they're not. They're they're God-help. This is not self-help. This is not just work harder, effort more, fix that diet, fix that routine, stack those habits, work this thing out. No, no, no. This is God actually illuminating to us our desperate need for Him because it's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. I see so many people, whether they know it or not, have this missed idea of theology and in doing so, they live their whole life just trying to do right things and feel right things. Modify actions, modify emotions. Oh, I shouldn't be feeling that right now. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. They replay their day. They replay every conversation and, and they're critiquing themselves. They're giving themselves like a, a report card. Oh man, I did not act the way I should have then and I didn't do the right thing then, but I did then and I should get points for that, gold star for that one. And But I wasn't feeling the right thing. Oh, I lacked love. If we're not careful, we can actually put the burden of, of right living and the burden of proper emotion on the people around us. You shouldn't be feeling that right now. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. You should have done the right thing. If you had done the right thing, here's how we judge it. We say in life, I don't feel prosperous right now. I must be doing something wrong. We say, I don't feel honored right now. It must be an emotional problem. I, I must have been having to think different things or feel different things. And we look at the momentary experiences of our life. Am I feeling prosperous right now? Because if not, it's my problem. Am I being honored right now? Because if not, I should have felt something different, done something different, acted something different. And we see people living in this kind of TikTok type behavior. I'm not talking about the app, but just back and forth, back and forth, trying to modify behavior, modify emotion. And if I do that right, then I'm going to experience something different. I want us to look at this phrase again through a slightly different lens. Let me read you one scripture from the New Testament, and then we're going to read this, and it's going to mean something completely different. Can you check this out? It's in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bible, uh, turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians. I mean, you might just open a different screen. You might just uh, look from your laptop down to your phone or vice versa. Or you might wait for me to read it, and that's all right, too. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. This actually changes the meaning of that quote from Proverbs. Check it out. It says, God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, think about this for a second. God made an exchange with you and I. 
He said that his perfect son, Jesus, would take our place, would, would step into our brokenness, our wrong action, our wrong feeling, our wrong thinking, our lack of love, our, our, our blinded eyes, our brokenness, our sin, our fault, our failure. And he would make an exchange. He said, how about this? I will become your sin and you actually become my righteousness. It doesn't say then you will get to go find the righteousness. It says you become the righteousness of God. What an incredible exchange Jesus is willing to make. Now we can become the righteousness of God, not by trying harder, not by feeling the right things, but by receiving Jesus. But by in a moment of faith, receiving the grace that God gives us. This changes everything. Man, wherever you are right now, I hope you're saying, oh, now I get it. The Bible says this, if you pursue righteousness, what's the righteousness of God? Jesus. If you pursue Jesus, then you will find life and prosperity and honor. Okay, well, that I can do. I can't always modify my behavior, but when my behavior is faulty, I can find forgiveness in Jesus. That I can do. I can't always feel the right things, but even when I feel the wrong sort of way, I can find life in the love of Jesus. Here's what the saying is, because also Jesus is God in person, God in flesh, and God is love. Love is not what he does, it's who he is. So it says this, seek Jesus and Jesus, and you will find life and prosperity and honor. Seek Jesus, let me say it again, and Jesus, because he's righteousness and he's love, and you will find life and prosperity and honor. This is a life saying. This is like, oh, I get it now. Yes, you do. You actually get the love of God now. And you get the righteousness of God now, not later. Not when you modify your behavior. Not when you do better and act harder and try more and care more. No, you actually get it right now. You take on the righteousness of God. And then we have the opportunity in the freedom that comes in being forgiven. And in the sheer joy that comes in knowing I'm loved. Not because I tried harder. Not because I did the right things. But just because of who God is. He's designed me with purpose and he loves me. Now, in joy, I can pursue more righteousness. Because what God is doing, he is setting us free from our past. So that we can create new pathways. That we can actually take new steps of righteousness. I want to encourage you today. That your righteousness is not initiated by you. Your righteousness is not initiated by effort. Love is not initiated by, by simply feeling better things. i got to feel more love. If it were, we wouldn't need God. If it were, we would actually never feel love. I hear it all the time, people giving this advice. And it, it's, it's right, it's just insufficient. They're like, we just need more love. True. But that's not a feeling thing. Hey, if we just, the world needs love, right? Yeah. The world needs love, which is God. Like God is love. The world needs God. The world needs that exchange that takes place where we become the righteousness of God. So let me, let me challenge you. Today, pursue righteousness. That's Jesus. And pursue love. Also Jesus. Make Jesus your sole pursuit. And here's what you will find. Life and honor and prosperity. Now you say, wait a sec. In my life right now, I don't feel honored all the time. In my life right now, I'm not feeling prosperous all the time. In fact, sometimes life is hard. Well, Jesus said this, in this world, you will have trouble. 
And, and so don't judge how prosperous you feel in your bank account right now or how honored you feel in your workplace right now as an indication on whether or not you found Jesus. Understand this, that Jesus has eternity in store for you. And eternal life does not begin in the moment you die and ascend to heaven or, or go to be with, with God in glory, whatever that might be. No, no, no. Eternity begins in the moment where you step out of darkness and into light. I want to pray for you today because I believe eternity is where life is found. Eternity is where prosperity is found. Eternity is where honor is found. And doing the right thing might mean being dishonored at times. Acting in love might actually cost you. Uh, being righteous and exchanging the, the, the fault of what would come natural for a higher way of living might actually make life more difficult. But I'm looking for a long blessing. I'm looking for a long eternity. The Bible says this. Jesus said that, that the enemy of our soul comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he's come so we could have life. Prosperous, honored, full, whole life. Before I pray for you, let me tell you a couple more things about righteousness. And then we're going to pray. Jot these down real quick. Righteousness. Uh, it, it says this. God watches over the righteous. That's in Proverbs, uh, Psalms 34, 15. In Proverbs 3.33, it says, Righteousness brings blessing to your home. In Proverbs 14.34, it says, Righteousness exalts a nation. In 1 Samuel 26.23, it says, Righteousness brings reward. In Proverbs 18.10, it says, Righteousness provides safety. In 2 Timothy 4.8, it says, Righteousness provides honor. In Psalms 85.10, it says righteousness attracts peace. In Ephesians 6.14, it says righteousness protects your heart. In Malachi 4.2, it says righteousness provides healing. There is no end to the benefit that comes in righteousness, but please hear me in this. Righteousness is not behavior modification. It is receiving God's grace through a little simple step of faith. And that step of faith begins with receiving forgiveness, but it continues with walking in that forgiveness. So let me pray for you right now. If you've never received forgiveness from Jesus for your sin, this is your moment. You become the righteousness of God in this moment. If you'd pray a prayer with me like this, you can do it right from where you're at in a watch party, watching at home by yourself. You can pray a prayer like this. Jesus, I recognize that I have so many flaws. I'm working my hardest, I'm doing my best, but I'm falling short. Today, I want to take you up on your offer, your gift of grace to take my place so I can take your place. I want to become the righteousness of God. And so today I receive you and I thank you for taking my sin, my burden, my shame. I pray that you'd help me to live for you in Jesus' name. Man, if you prayed that prayer today, a new life has begun. And that new life is eternal. And that new life promises eternal prosperity and eternal honor. It'll come with work. It'll come with some, some, some ongoing steps of faith. We want to walk those out with you. So would you even let us know in the chat right now? I just prayed that prayer. We want to walk this out with you. And for each of us, I want to, I want to pray for you specifically. Because I feel like we can really quickly feel as though we graduate out of grace into effort. Oh yeah, I remember when I prayed for God to forgive me, but now, oh, I work it. I'm working hard and I'm trying hard and I'm doing my best and I just got to love more and I just got to be more right. And it still continually is this walk of 
of, of faithfully receiving God's grace and just humbly putting into practice even sayings like these 30 sayings. So can I pray for you right now? Jesus, I thank you for our church. What an honor it is, God, that I get to pastor this church. These incredible people that you love. And I thank you, Lord, that you've brought us together across the city and across countries and stretching across the world even right now. I thank you that you have a destiny for us. It's a prosperous one. It's an honored one. And I pray that you would guard our hearts from the type of living that says, I need to feel better things and do better things. Let us continue to walk out in grace. We believe your word when it says that you came from the Father, so full of grace and truth that out of that fullness, we receive one blessing after another. I thank you that I am the recipient of a blessing that I did not deserve because of you. Help us to walk in that grace. And I pray right now for people who feel like they're falling. I thank you that their righteousness is not dictated on whether or not they fall. It's how they get back up. So I pray courage into their life right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Vivid Church, I love you. I'm excited that we get to share these moments together. I'm looking forward to, to sharing in hubs. I'm looking forward to next Sunday when we can gather together online. And I'm really grateful that uh, God's not even close to finish with us yet. Let's keep on walking in righteousness, walking in love and experiencing life and prosperity and honor. We'll see you next Sunday. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.